Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and film podcast where everything is very smooth and very mellow. And certainly while that song started, we did not have our first beer maybe potentially explode and overflow like a little robust porter volcano. In España. Yes, we'll get to that in a moment. But if you haven't heard our show before, like I said, we are a craft beer and film podcast out of Chico, California. You Coming at you every week, uh, usually on Tuesdays, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening because... Life is unpredictable. Sometimes later in the week because we it's true. We do what we want. Yeah, fair enough. Um, before we get too deep into what we're going to be talking about today, Johnny Summers, will you please tell all of the, I assume, beautiful people listening uh, where they can find us on the internet? At Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Untapped, and Letterboxd. Most importantly, well, besides Patreon, which is very important, FreshHopCinema.com for all of our, our fun stuff and info, beer reviews, pictures, and all that good stuff. Yeesh. And then obviously Patreon, pretty important. And it keeps the show a rolling. Yeah. It's $1 per week per episode. Uh, you can help support the show. So, and it helps us out. You know, we need to keep buying beer and movie tickets, guys. Yeah. We're out here doing the Lord's work, so you don't have to. So, yeah. Respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Last week, you might remember, we did a, a little different thing. We we recorded our handlebar commercial in the style of a movie scene, a relatively well-known scene. And we encouraged you to go ahead. Quite well. I think we did great. I might add. Yeah. I texted you back after I listened to the actual episode, and I said, we're basically actors now. Yeah, and we said to everybody, if you could guess the scene that we tweaked to fit our wonderful support by the handlebar into their script, uh, we would give you a $10 gift certificate to the handlebar. We didn't put a price tag on it. We used 10 to 20 I think we were starting at 10 then if you, whatever. We're keeping it vague. We're ch- yeah, it's a mystery. Um, okay, pretend I didn't say 10 It's whatever your heart desires. Anyways, we uh, we wanted to take a minute to thank everybody that wrote in, uh, but we do have to choose a winner. Unfortunately, not everybody can win. So we are going to play a little game that we call Spin the Wheel to generate our random winner of the week. So let's do that. Spin it. Oh, man. And a winner. Oh, God. It is Austin. What's up? I feel like last names might be appropriate at this point. Smith. Yeah, Austin Smith. Thanks so much, for man. We, uh, again, like everybody, thank you very much. Austin, you are the winner. I don't know. We haven't really talked about this. How are we going to give Austin his gift card? I don't know yet. Uh, I will reach out to him directly. Okay. I'll slide into his DMs. Perfect. Uh, great. So that, Austin, let us know uh, if we don't get to you in the next. If you're like, hey, I, I need it tonight, then okay. Get at me. Otherwise, you know what? Perfect segue to a perfect reminder. Uh, he's in Patreon. Yes. So if I don't see him before, I'll see him at the Patreon event. Yeah, January 31st. 31st. Look at that seamless segue like we're radio professionals. It's very nice. Uh, We do have events in Patreon. We have extra bonus content and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to be part of this very fun event, uh, we've done it. it, I think we missed last year for our sort of January big Patreon event, but we're having it again this year. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of shenanigans. Um, If you heard the bonus episode I dropped, we dropped on Friday. Of last week, you will hear a little snippet of kind of the stuff that goes on in Patreon. So if you're into that sort of thing, um, join us. It's a lot of fun. It's just patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, and thank you. Cool. Thank you to everyone that entered that trivia game. We're going to be doing that bi-weekly. Bi- bi-weekly. I think that's the way A couple times it. a month. Yeah, there you go. So uh, just tune in and uh, check out the commercials for your next chance to win. Indeed. We'll have another one next week. And 
Agreed. On to pressing matter at hand. Tis, tis mid-January. Tis. And per uh, the custom of at least the past 91 years, about this time of year, the Academy Award nominations come out. Uh, we reviewed the Golden Globe nominations and winners, uh, I think, last week or was it the week before? I covered the Golden Globes briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, so we have the Academy Award nominations that we wanted to talk about briefly because, after all, we are in that that game, so to speak. Um, but first of all, we wanted to throw back to a conversation that we had when I came back from my honeymoon uh, from Norway and we were covering the film The Joker, which ended up getting 11 nominations. And we had a friendly Four Loco uh, adjacent bet that we will refresh your memory with right about now. Uh, I can't remember who agreed with who, but if you agreed with me, please uh, just stick with me and wish me luck in the days to come. Why do you think that? I think that you're going to give him an Oscar. Like, sure, the preparation, like, even though it's unnecessary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you might give him a five, but the Hollywood people are going to give him an Oscar. So. Why do you think that? I think that you're going to give him an Oscar. Why? It was a movie that seemed like made for him to win a Best Actor award. Really? Yeah. I didn't get that vibe. Uh, I think that you can you can do all the physicality stuff. Um, but if I think about Oscars in the past, it tends to come down to uh, story portrayal. And when you look down at it, there's not much story to be portrayed here. So I think, if we're going on record, he certainly doesn't win an Oscar I might even hazard he doesn't get nominated. Oh, he'll get nominated. We can put a bet on that one. That's fun. That's a fun bet. Uh, I'll bet you a four loco on this come February. Oh, he's getting nominated for best actor. Um, mm, I could see it, but I, I certain you think he's going to win is what you're going to, you no, said they're going to give him nominated. an Oscar. You said they're going to give him an Oscar. I said, they'll probably give him an Oscar. Okay. And you said, <laughs> you said probably, they're going to give him an and Oscar. And you said he won't even get nominated. I said, he's definitely not going to win. I could see him not getting nominated. Okay, so what's the bet? The bet is if he gets an Oscar for it, I will drink an entire Four loco before we start and another one while we're recording. Oh. Now, if he does not win, uh, you drink one Four loco. If he doesn't get nominated, you drink two. Deal. Okay, deal. Check on it. Deal. It's on. We're on record. I think this is, like, yeah, we need this to, is the one thing that is even more. Uh, we need to write that down. Stapling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That'll be fun. Yeah, he's gonna get nominated, and he probably won't win because I don't think he should. Yeah, but I think he'll get nominated. Well, well, well. <laughs> don't well, well, well me yet. Just to be clear, Johnny, recap what the circumstances of this bet, this friendly bet among colleagues, yes. was. So the bet is, if he wins the Oscar, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker wins, Max will drink. A four loco before we record and another during the episode. That's correct. If he does not win because the bet of him even getting nominated is out the window, yep, he I already nominated. won partially. If he does not win, I will have to drink a four loco. Yes. Which I don't know if I fully would have agreed to then or now, but whatever. A bet's a bet's a yeah, bet. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that's fine. That's how I got you to bet to drink that's, that's two. Fair. That's insane. It is a nice transition into our, uh, into. I think we should make this the first category, uh, The because we already talked about it, the best lead actor. Yeah. In, we're, should so. we say what we're doing? Do we need to I don't know. preface this at all? So yeah, I, we've talked a little bit of, off the air about recording a full bonus episode where we run through all the categories for the Oscars and, and maybe make our picks or our predictions or whatever you might be thinking we should do. Um, but for now, we're just going to go through. I have four categories written down. We're going to talk about best picture, uh, best director, lead actor, and lead actress. And the first of those is uh, lead actor. We mentioned that Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for Joker. We also have Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Neither of us have seen that. 
We also haven't seen Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory. That's on my list. I assume it's on yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other two are Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. I think we can tackle this two ways, and I think we should do both. One is uh, who we think is going to win, and one, if it's different, who we want or who we think deserves it personally. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kick it to you, man. I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to win, and I You're think just doubling Leonardo down DiCaprio should win. Really? Yep. Okay. Um, I'm diverting a lot. I'm going to say that, you know, I'm actually, no, I think ugh, it's a tough one because I've heard a lot about Antonio Banderas in pain and glory. I've heard he's quite amazing. I know that Adam driver's amazing in marriage story. I didn't, you know, DiCaprio's fine in, I didn't like once upon a time in Hollywood all that much. I felt very, um, self-serving in a lot of ways to Tarantino into like to the Tarantino, um, essence I just, I don't know. So I think that the person that is going to win, and I just can't say Joaquin Phoenix because of the clip you just heard. So I'm not going to say him, though I am inclined to, I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win. Okay. Yeah, I just, I do. Who I want to win is Adam Driver. Okay. He's incredible. I think coming off of all the Star Wars stuff, um, I've talked about this in the past, but like getting a chance to do something that is not just, a, a you know, like a distraught. 20 something fighting with the evils inside of him and choking people with his mind. It's nice to see him in this. So I think we both think that I'm going to end up drinking two, four locos. And I cannot wait. That's going to be one for the, that's going to be one for the history books. It'll be uh yeah, it'll be something. I'm going to get two of the seltzers, a lot of of bread, two of the seltzers. No, I got to pick the flavor. Certainly you're a gentleman enough to allow me that courtesy. You you pick one of them. All right. Is that fair? That's not, I mean, I'll pick a good one. I don't trust you for that. You shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Moving right along. Let's go to uh, let's go to lead actress, shall we? Let's do it. Johnny, what are the nominations? So I've got Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Neither of us have seen Judy. Mm-mm. I heard she was amazing in it. Though. I did too. I heard that she was uh, good enough to get a nomination. That's yep. what I heard just yep. now. Uh, okay. To you. Who you think will win, who you want to win, who you think deserves it personally. Hmm. I think Renee Zellweger is probably going to win for Judy, and I would like to see Saoirse Ronan win it for Little Women. All right. Those are my picks. Okay. Wait, have you even seen Little Women yet? I haven't seen either of those movies. Okay, <laughs> um, Bro, this is a fictional universe that we live in. That's fair. Called so, this podcast. So back in March, I, in my review of Jordan Peele's Us, oh God. said that is it too early to talk about an Oscar nomination for Lupita Nyong'o? And apparently it was because she didn't, that movie didn't make a dent somehow. No, I don't, I don't know how that's the case. Um, Nobody from Parasite was nominated. Nobody basically non-white is in this whole thing except Cynthia Erivo Mm -hmm. in a movie that I think was garbage. Terrible. That said, I think she might win it. Hmm. I think that to some extent, the, the, the reemergence of like the Twitter, storm that barrages the Oscars for being racially biased will convince all of the people that vote that she should win. Hmm. And I don't think that she is the best performance there, but I do like the extra representation. I just wish that it were somebody else like Lupita Nyong'o for us. Cause hers was far and away. One of the best uh, lead actress performances of the year. All right. Who should win? I think that it's, I'm debating right now between Saoirse Ronan and Scarlett Johansson. But I'm going to throw it to Scarlett Johansson. I think Marriage Story, again, it's like it's my second uh, second movie of the year or first. It might be. No, it's my second favorite movie of the year. And partially because the performances in it are top notch. All right. 
So that's what I say. All right. Uh, let's go best director, shall we? Uh, there are several options for best director, and I will tell you them. Uh, actually, yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. Todd Phillips for Joker. Sam Mendes for 1917, which we'll be talking about in just a little bit here. Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Johnny, who gets it? Who should get it? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, also <laughs> worth saying, you haven't seen Parasite. I haven't seen The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Tarantino's going to get it, and I think I'm okay with it. Oh, yeah? Yep. That's interesting. I mean, why? Why do you think he's going to? I think he's going to because um, I, it's, you know, I'm just repeating what I've heard. Hundreds, not hundreds of people. Sure. Lots of people sure. say that uh, old Hol- Hollywood loves nothing more than an ode and a love story to old Hollywood. So I'm going to I fully believe that. Also, that movie's grown on me since we first reviewed it. Mm-hmm. Um, second viewing makes a difference big time. So I I just, I don't know. I think he's got it. I think he got lightning in a bottle and he's going to win Best Picture for this. And it might be the only Oscar he wins in his career as a director. I don't think he's won another one. I don't know about that, actually. But I, I'm inclined to agree. Okay. Uh, so I think it'll go to Scorsese. Okay. For The Irishman. Again, a movie I haven't seen, but I've people love it. Mm-hmm. And it has sort of this essence of of old time movies and Scorsese is obviously a legend. So is everybody in that movie. It's just old timey movies that he made. That's true. Like he set the precedent for this and now it's a nice homage and he's, everybody's very, they're close to death. All right. Everybody's dying. You're basically giving him a charity. Like here you go. Look, you deserve this. Like one more last hurrah. You can here, have it. You know, go away. I think uh, parasite Bong Joon-ho should win it. Yeah. It's a great movie. Also benefits from a second viewing. I didn't love it the first time. I loved it the second time. Um, but I'm fairly confident Parasite's not going to, or Bong Joon-ho's not going to take it for Parasite. Okay. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? In all these categories, there's been about five nominations, but that brings us to Best Picture, which I can't remember what year it happened, but they expanded it to as basically as many as they want, as far as I know. That mm. could be wrong. But I know for a while it was five, and then they were like, well, there should be more. So, Johnny, the nominations for Best Picture, please. So we have Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Max, please go first. Sure. So I think when it comes to my selection for best director, I was very much um, judging who might win based on the person, based on the person himself. Like, I think they care, care more about Scorsese because he's such a legend. And when it comes to best picture, I think we have a little bit more reliance on the actual film. That said, of this list... Um, my top movies are not the ones that I think are going to win. Like I would root for, I'm going to do this one first. I guess I would want either parasite marriage story, perhaps little women, perhaps Jojo rabbit to win. But I think those are the last ones that might, I think more likely are the Irishman. Um, once upon a time, I don't think Ford versus Ferrari really has a chance, but that's nice. That's I'm sure that makes them feel good. Um, I think the one that will take it is going to be once upon a time in Hollywood. And I wish that, I wish that marriage story would take it. Fair enough. All right. What about you? So I wish Jojo Rabbit would win. Yeah. Because I loved it. It was, I mean, Midsommar. Let's talk about that. What not the f- getting come nominated. Come on, man. Yeah, something. At all. We we, that will be on bonus content. Nothing. Talk about the movies that didn't make Lighthouse. Nothing. Yeah. My number one movie of 2019 didn't get a sing. That's how I know I'm so ahead of the Bruh, curve. Like, like last, I'm last so Black cool. Man in San Francisco. Again, that makes more sense. I mean, like nobody's seen that, but it's so good. Right. But yeah. So Jojo Rabbit, I absolutely adore that movie. I can't wait till it comes out. I'm going to buy it. Blah, blah, blah. I think that should win. I tell you what's going to win. 
and it's not what you think I'm going to say. All right, go. 1917, it's going to win Best Picture. Really? Yep. Okay, give me a case for it. Why that Why that? over my guess, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Um, best Picture, like you were saying, uh, really takes a look at the whole film. So you're getting not just the writing, the directing, you're getting the editing, the cinematography, the overall experience of watching it, the content. Um, I feel like it's something that's more set in truth than theoretically you know, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. So overall, I would say it's a better picture than that. And therefore will win wins best picture. Really? I think, yep. I think Quentin gets best director for once upon a time in Hollywood. I think maybe Brad Pitt wins like supporting for that. Yeah. I don't see Leo winning actor and I don't see it winning best picture. Okay. Fair enough. We have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, which we will put on Patreon. Yeah. But yeah. for now, we have business to attend we to. We do, uh, but we will be doing a full Oscar recap. Yes. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. our tradition. Every year after the Oscars, we sit down, we cover front to back, top yeah. to bottom, get a little tipsy. Maybe we'll open a bottle of champagne that night. That'd yeah. Be fun. Deal. Okay. Moving right along. We have our first beer of the day. The one that uh, you may have noticed, I was being sarcastic, definitely did explode like a porter volcano. Wow, we uh, ran the uh, the old show theme song. So it's looking very carbonated. This is also a beer that has traveled across the world to get to us. It's from Spain. That's all I'm going to say because Johnny picked it out. And I think because of that, Johnny, you should be. Nope. You have to say it. Nope. You have to say it. How does that work? I don't want to say it. It doesn't make any sense because you chose this beer and now I feel like I, but I'll try it. I don't no, care. No, I'll do it. It's from Cerveza Artisana. It is a beer. Wait, maybe. No, that just Why means. Why don't you use your notes? That means artisanal beer. Just use the notes oh. that I made you. You typed some notes out? Yeah, dude. Oh, fair enough. Uh, coffee Porter, or Café Olé, brewed by Cervezas Spiga. Spiga or Spiga? Spiga. Okay. No, Spiga. I don't know. It's, it's not Yugoslavia. It's Spain. Okay. Spiga. Where are they from? Alcoy, Spain. This is a coffee porter, 6.5%, ABV, 25 IBUs. Its availability is wherever you can find it. Where'd you find it? I found it at Spike's Bottle Shop for the cost of roughly $3. Oh, okay. I that's, think so. That right seems in that, incredibly low. Right in that. Well, we haven't tried it yet. Right. Uh, this robust porter is brewed with Spanish Torrefacto coffee beans and has aromas and flavors of café con leche, dark chocolate, and flan-like caramelization. Okay. Um, I'm looking for a bottling date. I don't see one. Um, so I think we'll just have to go with our mouth gut on this one. Um, you're sniffing it. You're you you put it down almost like you're afraid of it. You're 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 troubled. I'm seeing some hesitation, and I'm wondering if you're picking up some off off sense. Well, this coffee porter smells like a rich, full-bodied red wine. Well, that's never great. It's uh, and and maybe if it were like twelve and a half percent, you could assume there were some adjuncts that would give it that, or maybe some alcohol um, sense. But we're not. We're at six and a half percent here. So uh, you're smelling wine. You assume that is. Something not good. Uh, it's either infected or sour. I think. Got it. Yeah, we've had a couple of instances over the past several months with uh, infected beers. It happens sometimes. Johnny can't even drink it, so I guess I have to try it now. Some, unless you're going to give me a pass and I don't have to taste it. No, you have to taste that. That's um, deeply flawed. Well, let me know what I'm going to what I'm going to be in for. Mostly, let our listeners know. Uh, massively overcarbonated, tangy, sour notes of infection. Uh, with like a just a robust funkiness to it. It smells like a deliciously, perfectly made Flanders red ale. Right? Like that smells really good. 
if I didn't know what it was. Yeah. If you weren't thinking coffee porter. So I'm actually going to try to divorce uh, from coffee porter. I'm just going to taste it and see what happens. That's, yeah. That's where I'm going. Yeah. How is this beer objectively? Um, um, man, it's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is that really sour. If it, if it weren't for the, the abrupt coffee aftertaste that comes, I would almost think this was like a, a brown ale or something, like a sour brown. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is not. It is a robust coffee porter, mm-hmm. or at least claims to be by name. Yeah. Um, That's a big, robust bummer. It is a big, robust bummer, my friend. Uh, well put. I guess the, the tricky thing here is that, objectively, as a beer, I don't hate it. I just hate it for what it claims to be. It's not that thing. That said, that said I'm... I'm I can drink it. Like you're making a face almost You've like had the tiniest sip. You didn't even get enough to coat your mouth. No, I certainly did. I drank half of what you gave me, which mm-hmm. is about an ounce mm-hmm. and a half. I'll try it again. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, swish that around. Give it a nice whirly. It's, it's it's not good. No. But it's also for me not objectively as a beer, not something that I can't drink. As a porter, certainly I'd be very upset, which is how we're rating it, but on a personal level, just just drinking a beer. It's not not as bad as it is for what it is. Bruh. Yeah. It's infected and defective. Is and it going to hurt me? It could. Really? Yeah, it could give you a real bad stomachache. I get that all the time. Yeah. It hot snakes. Okay. Well. I'm not worried about it. There you go. If you're really not worried about it. But it to say be- that this is drinkable on any level is like an insult to beer. I don't know, knowing anything about beer. Like it's not what it's supposed to be at all. I'm just saying I've had beer in the past that even if I had to on a non-life-threatening level. I couldn't drink that beer. Mm-hmm. And I can drink this beer. Yeah, that's not like the the gay if we rate beers on No, no, no we, I'm not rating it. Okay. I'm, I'm saying is this beer physically drinkable? Yeah. Sure, it's liquid. I L- could force No, me. let me let me even I mean, let drink, me take it further. They drank horse cum on Fear Factor. So Is that a real thing that happened? It's drinkable. It's robust. Let me it's nutty. Let me double down and uh be more specific. I have no inclination to rate this beer according to how drinkable it is. I'm going to rate this beer like it's trying to be a robust porter. It's terrible. It's a terrible porter. One even, of the worst porters I've ever had in my life. Even if Probably the worst. Labeled as a different style or like pick what style you think this should be. If this were a sour brown, I would rate it higher than I would rate it for being a porter. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. No, it's not. So, But I'm just saying outside of that. I can drink this. There's beers, beers that I will not drink. They're so gross that I won't touch. All right, Max, let's stick to the facts. Fine. This beer is a coffee porter. It's disgusting. It's real, <laughs> it's real it's bad. terrible. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much more time you want to spend on it. I feel just about okay. As little as possible. This is a 0.0. This is an absolute. You can't, I feel like that's you can't do that. This is not. I can. It, by I, default, this does not even score. Well, I'm just. it. You drank it. You taste it. I think you have to give it a number because zero is like nothing. No, yeah. If they sent this in to any standardized competition, it would you get can dis- get a zero. It would get disqualified immediately. Immediately, it would not even be rated. This does not deserve to get a number on this show, um, and that's a firm stance. All right. Well, I'll just I've never done this before, but I'll write a zero for you. Yeah. All right. Zero. Lowest John. rated beer ever on the show. Good it for does. You, man. It doesn't deserve a number. Way to kick off twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna give it a one. Because, but effectively speaking, that's basically the same. I've never given a, or maybe once have I given a one before on this show. It's a, it's a, you know, bit of a bummer. Yeah. Alas, I have, I don't think alas is the right word. Nevertheless, I have a white claw that'll keep me, 
keep me company through year uh, unto four. Indeed. Um, okay, well, that's coffee porter slash yeah. cafe au lait from, yeah. uh, from a brewery out of Spain called Cervezas Spiga. Yeah, if you're on a flight to Spain right now, you for sure skip that one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Go drink something else. Uh, it also does sort of answer the question that you suggested I might have in the beginning. Or, well, you haven't tasted it yet. It is only $3. Mm-hmm. I think that's over overpricing. feel like they owe me money. Yeah, that seems correct. So. Or at least a refund. Yep. Which is money, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you what do you say, Johnny? That we uh, we talk about flick picks real quick. Let's pick it up. I don't know if you have anything this week, but I have one thing that is sort of a tie-in from a previous episode. I don't remember which week we talked about this, but it's whenever we talked about drive. Uh, so I think it was like a few weeks ago. Yeah, a few weeks ago. So I'll go first, and it is a movie called Only God Forgives. It's by the same director, whose name uh, I will butcher again because. I don't know any better. It's the same guy that did drive. His name is Nicholas Winding. I think it's Ren. It's R-E-F-N. Winding Ren. Sure. Remember that font back in the Microsoft Word days? Wingdings? Webdings? That's his Jedi name. Um, So this came out in 2013. It stars Ryan Gosling. And when we talked about it a few weeks ago, I said that I didn't like it when I first saw it, but that it might be worth a revisit because I so appreciate drive. We have a full-size movie poster of it in the studio. And I think that my prediction was correct because I did enjoy this quite a bit more than my first viewing. I found that the cinematography specifically, which at first was very, um, I don't know what the word would be. It was very taxing, certainly to watch, played to me more as intentional and driven. And um, uh, those those are about the right words. Okay. Very purposeful. Nice. Um and while it felt sort of assaultive at points on my senses and on my emotions, I think that I understood this movie better than I ever could have the first time, which was probably six or seven years ago. Okay. Um, near when it came out. Have you ever seen Only God Forgives? No. Huh? Well, it's got tons of uh, biblical undertones. Obviously, if you, it kind of puts you in the mood saying Only God Forgives. There's lots of themes of redemption and um, what it means to be able to forgive somebody or not and even if you don't like any of that stuff, it's still cool. There's some great kind of fight scenes and they're very stylized and very intentional, but I think it works really well. Okay. So I think you should watch it. Put that on my list. Please do. I I also want to give a quick shout out to a friend of the show, Nick Land, who texted me the other night because he was watching Drive or was about to watch Drive for the first time. Nice. Based on our recommendation. Hell yeah. Um, And I haven't gotten a chance to catch up with him, but I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts Uh, on those because it's both both you and I really enjoy the movie. Hell yeah. We should follow up with him about that. Yeah. he. uh, I wonder if I could find it. I don't have it in front of me, but maybe on the break we'll call him. That could be fun. Yeah. He said next time I see you in person, something like this, uh, I'll have I'll have coherent thoughts on the movie. So I'm looking forward to, to that conversation. Totally. Hell yeah. I love talking about my favorite movies. Why not? Absolutely. hundred percent. What about you? So this might come as a surprise. I doubt it. Maybe to people listening. Not I to me. I saw cats. Oh, you did? That is a great surprise to me. No, I didn't see cats. Oh. Okay, though, it would have been a huge surprise. It would have been. It's making me look, feel like an idiot. I'm pulling your leg. What is Max. the surprise? I'm pulling your leg. It wasn't that. Yeah, I know. Nothing that. I have to say now is a surprise. That was the gag. It's over now. It's done. No, I uh, I watched a movie from some time. Are you kidding me? What were you doing on your phone this whole time? I was looking up the director, and it wasn't. Look, go on your letterbox. Man, what it's it was here a, for. Watched a 2008 romantic comedy. Ooh, okay. Directed by who? Sorry to. Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed. Yeah. I was going to see if I could guess it. This film made $223 million in the box office. That's a lot. Yep. Wait, can you? I'd love to just be able to try to guess this. Yeah. Uh, can you give me, not the main actor, but like another actor in this? 2008, Peyton Reed. 
Zoe, rom-com. Zoe Deschanel. 500 Days of Summer. Nope. That's probably earlier. Um, hmm, maybe I don't know. Yes, man. Oh, I forget she's in that. Yeah, with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah, it was a 2008 rom-com. And, uh, you know, we had just watched something like serious. We had just finished up a series. I can't remember what it was, but it, we needed something lighthearted and uh, popped on Netflix. We watched yeah. Dinner for Schmucks, front to back. Then we watched this. Yes, man. It was pretty fun. It was a great, you know, three hours, you know, because they're both like a firm 90 minute yeah, or sure, less. Sure. Uh, yes, man was great. Um, I'm sorry. Jennifer Schmucks was great. Still kind of hard to watch. Very. Why? Um, it was like uh, Michael Scott turned up to like 15. Yeah. Jennifer Schmucks has Zach Galifianakis, Steve Carell, um, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Somebody else. Maybe. Couple. People. Lots it's people. like that crew. Was it Judd Apatow that did that movie? I don't remember. It feels very that realm. I don't know. And it was the segue to watching Yes Man. So it was good, but we were like, we need to watch another one. And, you know, Yes Man really just reminded me of the comic genius that is Jim Carrey. Like, dude, his movies are real good uh, for what they were. They were just, yeah. you know, he's really good at that. When you think of Jim Carrey, sorry to cut you off momentarily, but what do you think of movie-wise? For me personally, yeah. I think of The Mask. I think of Eternal Sunshine. Oh, sure. Um, you know, that's pretty much Those it. Those are the two. That Those are the on. two, like, immediately. Yeah, I think of uh, um, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, and, like, Ace Ventura, which is not good. No. <laughs> but it's very, like, classic Jim Carrey slapsticky. Like, mm-hmm. it's similar to The Mask, actually. I don't think it's a good movie, but it's very like niche Jim Carrey. Yeah, he had some interesting comedy movies like later in his life. Yeah, not that he's dead, but sure. you know, like l- when he was a little bit older, like uh, Fun with Dick and Jane. Oh yeah, um, liar, yeah. liar, 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 Weird. yes man. The, so I just love this movie. It was so just innocent and like feel good, and it just kind of itched me right where I was itching right at that moment. So yeah. if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in ten years since it's been out forever. Uh, revisit it. It's on Netflix. It's real good. Yeah, fair. Okay. Those are flick picks. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, uh, it's not uncommon on this show. If you let us know what you're watching during the week that you get a shout out and we'd love to talk to you about those movies, uh, particularly if they're one of our favorites. We are going to jump to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the new-ish film, 1917. It's a World War One movie shot in a very unique style, directed by Sam Mendes. So stick around. We're not spoiling it just yet. Max, if you're anything like me, you're absolutely bushwhacked from bluegrass band practice. My friend, I unfortunately am nothing like you. I've never been to a bluegrass practice in my life, but I am still hungry and thirsty. Where can I go? The Handlebar, right here in Chico, California. Oh, I'm actually already a big fan of the Handlebar. I go there a lot. They have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. If you listeners have never been to the Handlebar, they're located at 2070 East 20th Street right here in Chico, south end of town. By Winco, by Best Buy, mostly by the Handlebar. I use that as a landmark now. That's right. Happy hour, seven days a week, two to six, dollar off all their draft beers. It's a screaming deal. Go support them. They're a great local business and they appreciate it. And I promise you, you will appreciate them. Food and drinks as fresh as Uncle Bud's Banjo Licks. There is only one way this ends. Last man standing. I'm going to see my father. We need to keep moving. Come on. I'm going he can't possibly make it that way, man. You bloody insane. Go. 
Why in God's name did you have to choose me? Stay, please. No, no, no! If you don't get there in time, we will lose 1,600 men. Your brother among them. Good luck. That was a trailer for 1917, a film written and directed by Sam Mendes, also written partially by Christy Wilson Cairns. Sam Mendes in the past has directed American Beauty, Jarhead, a couple of the Bond films. Cinematographer here was Roger Deakins, who I'm sure we will talk about because I can't speak for Johnny, I suppose, but this is one of the most visually stunning films I've seen all year. Uh, I guess that's misleading because it's 2020. In a while, I will say. Uh, and it's a film about the height of the First World War in which two young British soldiers played by George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman, who played Tommen in Game of Thrones, are given a seemingly impossible mission. In a race against time, they must cross enemy territory and deliver a message that will stop a deadly attack on hundreds of soldiers. Blake's own brother among them. This film also features appearances from Colin Firth, Mark Strong, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Richard Madden. It was released uh, in limited theaters on December 25th, Christmas Day. Very limited. Of 2019, yeah. It opened wide uh, on January 9th, 2020, to about 3,400 theaters. Runs an hour and 59 minutes long. It was made with $90 million. And as of January 14th, it's made, whoa, 66.6 million worldwide. Number of the beast. I don't know if that means anything. Probably not. Because unless you believe in that sort of thing, then it does. But... (laughs) Johnny, uh, we've both been very excited to see this. You more than me. I recall we had a conversation in which you told me you wanted to cover this movie, which I assumed we would. But I remember saying, yeah, I don't really, you know, I'm not super jazzed about it. Because mm-hmm. um, historically, I don't really care too much about um, sort of in the action movies about war. Mm. They um, they tend to feel very exhaustive to me and overdone and uh, oftentimes lack originality. Mm. I was happily surprised today when I saw this film. Because not only did I go in with a bad attitude after having to park in a terrible parking situation where two ginormous lifted trucks both parked over the lines, but it was the only open spot in the parking lot, so I parked there anyways. The people trying to get my app wasn't working to get my ticket, and I had to wait in the line in which only old people were in line. It's a Tuesday in the middle of the day. So I got in, and then my entire theater, I think as I described to you, as a wave of gray blobs that thought they were whispering when in fact they were talking at full volume. It was not a good situation. And I thought I fantasized, if you will, about leaving the theater, going home, coming here, drinking a four loco and just getting through this episode without having seen the movie. And I'm glad I didn't because it was one of the, I think I said to you earlier, technically masterful films that I've seen in quite a long time, in addition to being beautiful, but we'll get into more of my thoughts in a minute. What did you think of 1917? Well, I had a really good time watching it. I actually went with uh, my parents and my wife and a friend from work. Shout out Tristan. What's up, dog? Uh, so, hey, Tristan. Yeah, so we all went out to dinner. My parents wanted to take Shalina out for a birthday dinner, so we went to the poorhouse before, grabbed happy hour. My parents were very confused about how I already had tickets and seats reserved. Yeah. It was really... It's one of those things. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Your parents I, aren't that old, though. No, but my dad's like, I don't like it. It's different. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice rolling in and... Uh, Just walking on past. Yeah. Yep. It was nice. It was a great viewing experience. Kind of loud before. Was really worried about talking during the movie, and then everyone quieted down during. 
Um, so it was a nice viewing experience. Uh, really happy I saw this on the big screen. I'm going to preface this whole thing by saying, if you can, go see this on the big screen. It was absolutely stunning. Uh, overall, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I can't think of many things wrong with it. I mean, it was, uh, it was endearing. It was a visual uh, masterpiece. I mean, it was a masterclass in filmmaking and just being massively engaging. Like it's one of those movies you cannot take your eyes off of the screen from front, from beginning to end. It was just so engulfing of your whole being. Um, it was a very unique experience in the, the cinematography, which we'll get much deeper into. Uh, but that alone made it worth the price of admission, but also there was some great acting. There was some really great roles, uh, and it really personalized uh, a macro issue into a very micro film. You know, when you make a movie about war or something, it's a very large, broad, it could be overwhelming topic. It could be something that is hard to make a film about. And I think by focusing on these these two men and their mission, uh, it really it personalized it and it made it feel uh, like something you should have empathy towards. Like you immediately are endeared to these characters. You want to see them succeed and you are basically thrust into their shoes and you have no way to escape that. It's just, here we go. Uh, this movie pulled no punches. It was uh, just a masterpiece. I really, really liked it. Yeah, I, just branching off the cinematography angle here, I mentioned at the top of this that um, Sam, Mendes, Sam Mendes also directed Jarhead, which if you haven't seen, um, is very much the kind of movie that I was describing as getting tired of. It's um, it's a similar approach to war in the sense that you're down with the soldiers, but it's very much more chaotic. I think most of that movie is sort of a handheld shaky cam kind of thing. Like you feel every explosion because the camera shakes and your seats probably vibrate. And then you see somebody's head get blown off. And this movie for all of its intensity doesn't really uh, veer into the overly gory or um, – visually disturbing stuff. There's certainly some haunting imagery, but it's not like, um, war atrocities that you typically experience. Yeah. Um, if anything, it feels a lot more serene. Like we, it's a weird juxtaposition of like these horrors of war come out of these like really delicate, smooth gliding camera shots. And it's really strange. I've never seen anything like it. It's also worth pointing out that most of the movie plays as a long single take. Um, and we'll get into the, the cool stuff that they did to achieve that effect. But, um, it's an interesting approach because basically this, the two guys mission, they say it from the beginning, like should take them anywhere from six to eight hours. And there's one point in the movie where there's a break where we, where we kind of cut to black and some amount of time passes. But other than that, every shot is sequential and it really puts you in, in the mode of the mission, so to speak. And I just found myself very engaged. Like the moment the movie started given a couple minutes, but like I was in, yeah, and I didn't expect that to be the case. I was really expecting to sort of get through it and maybe look for performances and, um, certain cinematography stuff, but I was fully engaged the whole time. It did a good job grabbing you early, huh? Mm -hmm. Just like, boom. Yeah. I don't mean to come off from the beginning of like, I don't think old people should go to the movies. Of course they should. Everybody should go to the movies. <laughs> they should. Yeah. But what's cool is that while this movie definitely, cause a lot of those people, like new people that were in this war, and the movie ends with a, a little epilogue note of like this film is dedicated to the director's I think, grandfather mm -hmm. who fought in this war and, and sort of played the role of the messenger. Um, so it's appealing to people of all sorts of different age demographics for varying reasons. And I think that's a testament to the strength of this film. Totally. Uh, on a similar note, 
uh, as the trailers were winding down and the right before the movie starts, my mom leaned over and said, you know, my grandpa fought in World War One. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. That's no, sort of stuff. I no, didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. But also shout out to great grandpa who oh, yeah. I never met. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's a lot to dissect here. I think we could, there's enough here to talk about just in terms of the technical aspects that we could spend a whole episode talking about it. There's also plenty of thematic and um, maybe like moral questions this film poses at various points. And I want to talk about that too. I don't want to get into that yet because a lot of it is spoilery. Mm-hmm. But um, any other initial thoughts that you do want to talk about that we can dance around spoilers by doing? Man, it was just so beautiful. Like uh, the sets that they built were massive. Yeah. Uh, because it was all kind of cut in one take, they had to build these trenches that took eight minutes to walk through, sure. stuff like that. So, Yeah, I think it was about a total of a mile. Yeah. They dug an actual mile of trenches where in a, a typical, I say typical in air quotes, but like a typical movie, you would basically use like the same trench and sort of redecorate it and, and maybe do minor tweaks to change it but they and fancy editing sure yeah and they do yeah like you're saying like eight minute takes where they you walk through the entire trench and that poses all sorts of problems with cameras too and because a lot of cameras are on dollies or huge rigs and they had in basically invent stuff to work for this and yeah the trenches were a huge part of it yeah this film is a testament to where we're at with technology sure. and like maximizing and realizing the full potential of what we can do with the cameras that we have now and it's real cool yeah I think that in a movie like this, just to change the subject slightly, um, you're, you're being the viewer. The viewer is constantly um, typically charged with the morality of the situation. Um, it's very – did you see Dunkirk? Mm-hmm. I think that was 2016 or 17. Parts of it. It's, it was a no oh, – I should just start. I'm going to start talking out of my ass here. But it was a movie, and this is the point I'm trying to make, where you don't really see the enemy. Um, we know that they're there, but it's mostly about, um, the people that we see on screen and it's never like, we're never forced to grapple with the actual act of killing. And this movie isn't gratuitous in that way, but we do have several, a few to several circumstances where we're forced to be like, what is the right moral decision to make? And what I like about this movie is that it plays out several different ways over the course of those occasions. And we deal with the consequences. And it happens in a way that feels like you might expect from this type of editing, very natural and very in real time. Yeah, the stakes felt accurate. Yeah, and then and then a thing happens and we move on because that's what has to happen. And 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 the sort of momentum that that creates in this film is, like I said, engaging certainly, but also something I've never seen before. Totally, I really enjoyed it. Hell yeah, me too, man. Um, I was worried. There's a lot of people from Game of Thrones in this. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, Richard Madden, who played, um, uh, please help me if you can, Rob Stark. <laughs> Um, Tommen, uh, from game of Thrones is, is, uh, Blake here is Dean Charles Chapman. Um, and then, uh, George McKay was also in game of Thrones. I feel like there's another that I'm forgetting, but I was almost worried because some of the time you see like this actor is known from game of Thrones and those movies are steaming piles of garbage. And I was worried about that going in, but then I think these actors got to really show some, some skills here yeah. that they weren't able to do in game of Thrones. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the kind agree. of stuff that's cool. Like a good TV show or HBO show or whatever, like can bolster a young or new actor and be like, here's some opportunities if somebody wants to pick you up. And then we go inside. He was like, Oh, that's Tommen. And then I watched it and I was like, Oh, that's no longer Tommen. That's yeah. this new fully in and of himself entity of an actor. 
which I think is a very cool aspect of this movie also. Secondary, but very cool. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that completely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's rate this. Uh, I think we're there with our initial thoughts and our overall enjoyment. What is your rating? Out of 10, I'm a nine. Yeah? Great movie. Me too. Really, really good. I was Uh, right at nine. Yeah, we talked last last week about our top tens um, on on Patreon. We talked about our top tens of the year, and I mentioned that my list is still kind of in flux Mm -hmm. because there's several movies that I haven't seen. This was one of them, and I can confidently say this is going to – unfortunately knock something out of my top 10. That's not going to be a fun thing to try to do, but I have to, because it's a great movie. So you're sticking with nine as well. Um, no, nine's a rookie number. I can give it a little bit more. Go for it. It's like a nine, two, nine point two. Yep. My spacing on our notes is wrong. I didn't leave quite enough room for your, you see that you did. Yeah. In any case, that is 1917. It's a nine for me. It's a 9.2 for you, Johnny. And we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about another beer. Then we're going to get into hot and bothered. So we're not going to spoil 1917 just yet. So stick around. Even if you haven't seen it, we'd really appreciate it. And we'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back. But chances are in that one to two seconds, you didn't go anywhere. It was just us. We had a lovely break in case you were wondering. Uh, we're back with our second official beer. Johnny, this you also picked out in addition to our first beer. And I'm happy with it. I'm glad that you are picking beers because it seems like you're picking interesting ones. Though the first one was disgusting, still interesting. I'd never had it. And I've never heard of the second one either. So please tell me a little bit about this beer from Stone. Yes, we are going to be having a beer called Fear Movie Lions. It is a double IPA from Stone Brewing out of Escondido, California. It's an 8.5% ABV. Let's see what they say on their website slash the can slash wherever we got these notes. It's a New England style IPAs. They're all the rage. The fans of Stone repeatedly ask for our take on the style, which can be met with some criticism. Rooted in West Coast style IPAs for decades, how would we do it? Fear no more. Our brewers took the approach to deliver incredibly hoppy and aromatic flavor while keeping it very balanced and upping the alcohol unnoticeably. We'll see. Nailing this astounding one-of-a-kind creation. Easy, Stone. Your head is filling the room. (laughs) Overall, this unfulfilled double IPA is juiced up with massive tropical and citrus notes. The mild bitterness and relatively dry body complement the style, and the residual maltiness nicely rounds it out. Lingering lime peel and tropical fruit derived from the hops stand out on the finish, begging one to seek out more. What three words pinpoint where this beast was born? The location is printed on the can. Fear, movie, lions. Johnny, as you pour yourself some of this beer, I'm going to tell these fun listeners what you told me. Is that this uh, was born out of, or at least is rooted in, the idea of a company called What Three Weirds? What Three Weirds? What Three Weirds? Words. Um... And Johnny, if you would just do me a favor of reading, uh, although you just read, do you want me to read it? I don't care, man. I'm good at reading. Okay, read this. This is from the uh, the Our Story section of what3words.com. Uh, Our Story. Chris Sheldrick used to work in the music industry, organizing live events around the world. He quickly discovered that in the music world, people struggle with poor addressing every day. Getting lost trying to find events was pretty common. He had some pretty bad days, like in Italy, when a driver unloaded all the equipment an hour north of Rome instead of an hour south of Rome, which is uh, two hours out of your way if you're paying attention there. Uh, And a slightly worse day when a keyboard player called him and said, Chris, don't panic, but we may have just sound checked at the wrong wedding. Right. So they're a company and they're an app if you want to download it. And their, their whole mission statement is 
this is all one word, what three words is a really simple way to talk about location. They have assigned three or they've assigned each three meter square in the world, a unique three word address that will never change. Uh, in this case, we're talking about uh, fear movie lions. And where is fear movie lions? It's in, I assume Escondido where the brewery is. Yep. It is a three meter square foot of brewery in the middle of stones production facility. Right. So we, Johnny and I were talking about this before uh, we started and sort of the practicality of this idea of, I think you would just call it um, sort of, uh, standardizing at, at locations instead of using long complex numbers like latitude and longitude or uh, relying on weird street addresses that differ by country. You have sort of three words. And my confusion was that if they are sort of arbitrary and they change from square to square, like if the square next to fear movie lions was fear movie cougars, that would make sense. I would be like, all right, well, I'm in the fear section then the diversion movie and then the subcategory of lions. But if it's like right next to fear movie lions is like anger, happy movie. It's like, I don't get it. So I don't get this. I don't have the app though. Maybe somebody listening has the app. Please explain it. Well, to me. I don't think it's meant to be navigated as a grid or, uh, you know, like a map, like you essentially give a person the three words of a location they're meant to find. They put it into the app. They get specific GPS coordinates to go to that three meter space. I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. That at least in terms of if that's how it works, that's the way you'd have to do it. Mm -hmm. So you're like, all right, Hey man, where are you via text? And they're like, don't worry about it. Fear movie lions. And you're like, Oh, I'll click on that. And then it takes me right there. Yeah. That just seems, man, I feel like I want to, it seems dumb. Cause, cause you have a phone. And you'd be like, oh, I'm at Stone Brewing. And you could also just type in Stone Brewing and be like, that's it's the same thing. It's the specificity, though, to be like at a crowded festival. Okay. Imagine a, like. Okay, that a, helps. Or a concert yeah. where you're on the other side of a venue. Okay. This could get someone directly to your exact location. But iPhone has a function, send my location. Sure. And you can you, you can click on that and then follow it to the point. But, it, but is it <laughs> but as not cool, cool as this? Yeah, okay, that's true. Yeah. I just, okay. They're not asking for money or anything, which is good because I'd be like, this is dumb. Well, we haven't downloaded the app, so we can't say that's that true. for certain. It's probably like purchases in-app. Ooh. Whatever. That's you, the point. Anyways. I, so I guess the point is, uh, the other point is that that is the location, at least one of the three meter squares in Stone Brewing is Fear Movie Lions. Okay. In which they decided to name this double IPA of the New England Persuasion mm. at eight and a half percent. Johnny, I'll tell you, I haven't tasted it yet, but I have smelled it, and it doesn't smell like a New England IPA. It smells like a West Coast IPA to me. Have you tasted it? Yes. How is it? It's really good. Okay, it's really good. Often Stone comes up in discussions of breweries that uh, don't pander towards the sort of trendy IPA side of things. Yeah, but they seem to have done that. Yes, I might have had their their tropical. What is it called? Do you know? Tropic, Tropic Thunder. Tropical Thunder. Is it Tropic Thunder? It can't be called Tropic Thunder. You know what? Thunder I mean. of the Tropics. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, so they have certainly done it. Um, but how does this stack up? A towards that beer, and in general towards New England IPAs. Well, I'm not going to compare it to the the Tropic Thunder because that's like a, a lager, single right? IPA. I think it's a, a lager. A lager. Yeah. But uh, Tropic of Thunder. That's it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a lager. Uh, but they've done. Uh, like a tropical IPA also uh, that was was nowhere near this. But this is nice. It is obviously Stone's take on the style of beer. I would call this more like a straightforward double IPA. Yeah. And it's like maybe it almost tastes like a double dry hopped 
uh, double IPA. It's super bitey. Yeah, it's got a ton of bite, but that's what you want out of stone. They basically, you know, West Coastify everything. I mean, they're the godfathers of West Coast piney resinous. Yeah. They for me personally, they're what West Coast IPAs are. Totally. But they're going for something else, and I don't think they're achieving it. Yeah. And I don't mean to make this connection, but it does seem hard not to. If this beer were not trying to be what it is, I would rate it higher than what it's trying to be. In the same way that our beer from earlier, if it were not a robust porter, I would have maybe rated it higher like if it were a sour brown. If this were a West Coast IPA, I'd be like, pretty good West Coast IPA. But it's a New England style IPA. Incorrect. Not incorrect. What do you mean? According to the can, what I am holding is an unfiltered double IPA. They make no claims to be East Coast, New England style, anything other than simply an unfiltered double IPA. All right. Then I take it back. You're right. So, well, I just learned that too. I'm not holding that over your head. Uh, but yeah, according to the yeah, can. Okay. That seems correct. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a stab at this style, but in their very own way. And I didn't grab this can assuming it was anything other than a double IPA. Sure. So the unfiltered thing adds a little bit, but uh, I don't think they're trying to be like a treehouse, like a big. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I guess admittedly I was looking up the, uh, the three words thing while you were talking. So reading over your description again, I think, I think that holds up. Yeah. They're not, they're not claiming to be, they're not claiming that this is an, a new England style IPA. Mm-hmm. That was my mistake. It's fine. There is a, in terms of unfiltered, you got that right stone because there is a plethora of shit. Floating in my glass. <laughs> it's really there, man. Wow. And that seems fine. I guess like it's not settling. I keep waiting for Yeah, Look, just at, a, it's a, just there. Just like a little, little galaxy of there's like jelly stars. Just, yeah, I don't know, man. That's it's not good to look at. I'm gonna stop looking at it and I'll just drink it. And I have tasted it at this point. I think it's pretty good. Don't look at it. Just put it in your mouth. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's offensive in a good way. It's very hoppy. It's it's aggressive is, I guess, maybe the better word. Yeah. It's a nicely balanced double IPA. But it doesn't strike me as anything particularly memorable. No. It's good. Yeah. It'd be a, I mean, for like a three, four dollar can. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a good value. I'm into it. Um, Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's more than fine. Yeah. But it's less than very good. This. It's good. You know, it really strikes me right around the same hit in the feelers as uh, Hot Bullet from Sierra Nevada. Mm, I like Hot Bullet a lot more. Yeah? I mean, it is a similar similar ballpark, but those are two tough words to say back to back. Yeah. Try that. Similar ballpark. You got it right on the head. Okay. Um, Maybe it's like a hometown thing. Not my hometown is Chico, but for the past 10 years, I just maybe I'm more loyal to Sierra Nevada, but I do think Hot Bullet is a better representation of the aggressive west coast double ipa style than this is also hot bull doesn't have this in the in the final beer there's not a little colostomy bag of cloud haziness floating around <laughs> which i'm fine with like i don't need you know they say you eat with your eyes first yeah i assume the same is true of drinking exactly yeah it's it's good it's not great like no. you said uh i would I would definitely buy this again. So I think that earns it some points. I th- I, I want to know, cause there's a big difference here between $3 and $4. Cause that first beer was $3. Mm-hmm. If this um, is $3, I'll buy it. Again. I think it was three nine nine. Yeah. All right. But for a 16 ounce can who, yeah, but there's better 16 ounce cans. Good ABV. Four, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, it's worth I, pointing out that hot bullets, 8%, I think. Yeah. So I love hot bullet too, but it's not an unfiltered IPA. So, but I'm not getting any flavor 
from the unfiltered. I'm just seeing stuff in my cup. Like I don't. It definitely adds a bit of the fruitiness in the tropical. I guess it does. I don't, I don't get much of it though. Well, it's there. Like lingering lime peel. I don't. That seems. That seems like you're reaching a little bit. I also get that. Well, no, it's got a little bit of a pithiness to it. But lime. Like I could see maybe like a like a dark citrusy kind of flavor, but I don't know if I'd get the brightness and the zestiness of a lime. That you ever seems, eaten a lime peel? I've eaten a lime. You ever eaten I, a lime peel? No. Well, how do you know what it tastes Have like? Have you eaten a lime peel? Maybe. Don't just say this to be contradictory. Have you actually eaten a lime peel? A lime peel? I've no. had like a whole lime in my mouth. I guess why I think of like, From, like so, shots right, yeah, of tequila. Sure. Right, but like nobody's eating lime peel or orange peel or orange zest. Well, then how is anyone supposed to know what a lingering lime peel should be? That's what I'm saying. So so what I think of is like lime, but the bitter side of it. Like I assume it's the same as an orange peel or any citrus fruit. Yeah, like super pithy. Yeah, you lose the sweetness and you get the, yeah, the pithiness. And I don't get any lime characteristic is what I'm saying. I get Mm. a lot of, um, a lot of hoppiness for sure. Definitely some like pininess and and almost woodsy sort of uh, characteristics and some like, Maybe even maltiness, like you would get in one of their arrogant bastards. But I don't know about lime. It's not bright. It's not a bright tropical IPA. I don't think that's accurate. No, it's definitely more bitter. Than yeah, bright. it's a bitter, strong. It's it's like a stone IPA. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's exactly what it's saying it is. No, but it's exactly like a beer that stone makes. Yeah, right. So, so just call it that. Yeah, I, and that's why I grabbed it. I'm like, oh, it's a stone double IPA. Yeah, cool. It just, it, the whole beer feels very trendy to me. Like from the name to the description, it's just like, just, you don't have to dress it up. Just be what you are. That's okay. I like that. It just, it feels, it feels misleading to me. Yeah. So eh, that's fair. You want to rate it? Yeah. This beer firmly for me is a 6.6. Yeah, I was going to say seven, but actually that feels high now that I say it out loud. Seven. It's a six for me. Yeah. yeah. It's not a seven. Uh, six for me. You said six point seven, seven. seven. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It seems pretty close. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's around, but yeah. And again, an eight and a half percent beer for four bucks. Yeah. Good deal. There's an inherent value. There. Was there an option? Where'd you buy it? Spikes. Could you have bought it in a four or six pack? I don't know. Okay. I assume there would be a price break if you did. So if that's an option, I think, I think grab it. I'd mm-hmm. recommend. Yeah. Absolutely. Show it to your least snobby craft beer friends. Yeah. The most snobby ones, steer clear probably. That reminds me. I want to talk to you about that off air. Or bring up. Yeah, I'm going to write. Make sure. a note. That sounds great. Cool. Uh, what Can you just tell me what you're writing now? Um, what are you making? Uh, uh, price break. Oh, sure. Single versus six pack. What is the. Well, all right. Sure. What do you think it should be? What, like if I had to pick a number? Like it should be cheaper. Yes. To buy in bulk. Yes. Yeah. Always. Buy quite a bit. Yeah. What's the discussion? Oh, I, I was um, noticing that, and I found six packs of the Mulberry IPA. Mayberry IPA. Mayberry, yeah. yes. And it was significantly cheaper to buy a six-pack than a bunch be. of singles. Yeah, totally. Made me really happy because it was a great price for the six-pack. And I was yeah. like, oh, snap. Yeah, it's worth that. I'm buy more of that. And I love those little stubby bottles. Sure. So. <laughs> was that last week? I think it was. I don't know. It was a good beer. It was real good. Yeah. Uh, El Segundo, Mayberry. So uh, let's move into Hot and Bothered. That was uh, just to put a nice little lid on it. That was Fear Movie Lions from Stone. It was a 6.7 for you. A 6 for me. A solid beer. Yeah, it's fine. All it's right. not great. Don't go out of your way to get it. Hot and Bothered. Hot. Uh, to you, my friend. To me. Well, my hot this week was... Oh, my God. I mentioned something on the break, and you said that should be yeah, your hot. Yeah, it was a show you finished. The Fleabag, season two. I just rewatched it. 
Oh, you rewatched it? Yeah. Okay. I watched it a long time ago, and Shalina just watched it for the first time. It's just as good. Well, preface it for, um, you, you mentioned to me that it had a lot of awards. Mm-hmm. So maybe you start with that. Oh, yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I th- uh, it won Golden Globes, and uh, I... Yeah, on the spot here. I don't remember exactly what it won. That's fair. But I feel like that's a nice segue to like why you may have revisited it. It won like, or why people should. It was legitimately why we revisited it. We watched the Golden Globes and I'm like, yeah, I'm stoked that Phoebe Waller-Bridge won. I'm stoked the Fleabag won. Uh, and it turned into the conversation of, well, uh, I would like to actually watch that. And then one thing led to another. We watched three or four out of the five episodes uh, that night after the Golden Globes, and then watched the uh, the remaining one the next day, and uh, it it holds up. I I loved Fleabag season one so much, and season two was so different, um, but unique, and it had different dynamics and new characters, and uh, I really really liked it. And it just it was amazing writing and acting, mm. and it was just it was a well put together show, and it looked beautiful. And I can't recommend it enough. It's a really, really solid series. Nice, dude. Uh, is there any where can you find it altogether? It's a Amazon original. Just a, okay. Yeah. Just so it's on Amazon Prime. Sweet. Um, I uh, today is Tuesday. I on Sunday worked for the very first time a bridal show. If you've never been to one, they're there. It's like a wedding expo where vendors like caterers or florists or musicians or DJs. Or any number of things will set up and you can come through if you're getting married and you can be like, oh, hello, I'm in need of your services. What do you charge? Can I hear slash taste slash whatever it is, your stuff? Did anyone ask to taste you? Uh, Not in those words, but in a sense. When they said, can you play me this song? I'd be like, yes, you may taste my music. Indeed. Nice. <laughs> I'll give you a little taste of the glory. Mm. Uh, as Nacho Libre would say. It's so good when it hits your lips. Um, so I did that, and it was the first time I've ever done it. And I, I pride myself on being somebody who is very much about, um, at least in my own um, secretarial type of life, I, I love spreadsheets and I love keeping things organized despite what you might see before we start the show sometimes. I love, like I printed out a bunch of brochures and I updated my website for this and um, I included all my wedding packages. And I've, I think I've got four new weddings booked this year with a couple more as potential if I follow up. But obviously this was my priority, so I haven't followed up with them yet. Um, But it was really, really fun to get to kind of see people, because I got married last year, like see some of the people that I met with as a client Mm. and be like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm also in the business. Um, So met some new people, saw some old friends kind of stuff. It was very fun. Do you think you drummed up some business? Including the four weddings that I booked? Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, you didn't say that. Like you had booked them from that. Yes. Sorry, from that. Perfect. Yes. Looked four weddings, have a few more potentially. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, recouped the cost and then some. Uh, so that was really cool. My sister Bailey came up and helped. Nice. Uh, who longtime listeners might know from the show because we mention her every week. Um, and she was really, really helpful for a lot of reasons. But one of the big ones was when I was playing guitar, she would be at the table being like, hey, you guys like this? Give us money. Basically. Perfect. Not in those words. Yeah. And it's good to have a, you know, a friendly face to do that. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. So that was that was really fun. It was a new experience. I'm glad that worked out. Yeah. It's always too. awkward like selling yourself. It really is. But you know what? That's a great way to market. You know what I mean? It's people that are in in literally in the market for someone like you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's like going to a single bar 
for people that's kind of like that. Looking for people that wear the clothes that you're into. Yeah. Like, right. oh, this is this <laughs> like is perfect. That. Uh yeah. So that was my week. Nice. I mean, that, was, that was I had many highlights, of course. Hell yeah. That was a big one. Anything got you bothered? No, I don't care. Sweet. Yeah. Just start calling the segment hot. I don't ever it's it's a waste of time, man. I I increasingly find myself less uh having less of a penchant for wanting to complain about stuff. Yeah. My life's fine. It seems pretty um almost like masturbatory to it does. do like, it like there's, on the podcast. There's right? people that don't have homes. Yeah. There's people that don't like, have food. Like I don't I'm fine. Guys, you know? we've been drinking beer and discussing movies that make millions of dollars yeah. like our opinion matters. But here's what I'm upset about. That's why I wanted to double down. Like I I don't really care that like there were old people keeping the line going. So, like that was a joke. Definitely rooted in some momentary lapse of judgment and frustration. Uh, yeah, my mom, first of all, asked me if I was still blogging, which that's, was really that's very cute. sweet. Yeah, and then after the movie, uh, she was complaining that it was just a you know a bit too long, and I I, I thought that was like pretty invalid. But I was like, all right, that's cool. Sure, it's like whatever, your opinion. Yeah. It's I'm gonna talk shit about my mom. Of course you should. Um, and, <laughs> it's a safe space. As we left, I said yeah. to to my wife, "Well, you know, it was longer than an episode of NCIS." So that's a total mom show, you know. And they yeah. love it. They have all of the seasons on DVD. Of course, they and do. I get it. Who, yeah. And also, I said, you know what? It might have been too long. They have less hours to live than we do. That's technically true. They need all of them. But also, it's like it's technically less than two hours. That movie is. Yeah. But and also, they, yeah. Hey, don't judge me. I would say all of this to my mom's face. Good for you, man. So. Or bad for you. I don't really know. I'm not judging, so I can't pass that sort of statement. But. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I had to be like, well, okay. Yeah. Along. You should watch The Irishman, Mom. Yeah. Are you familiar with old Marty Scorsese? I really also want to just really quickly, well, I'll say it in the danger zone. Why not? You ready to go to the danger zone? Uh, yeah. I had one more hot, though. Oh, hit me. Uh, it's a little bit of a follow up. I am completely neck deep in the universe of The Witcher. How how deep can you get in that? There's only like eight episodes, right? Well, or the uh, game. I, the I rewatched and... half of the show, and I am three hours into The Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt, and I'm nice, roughly a hundred and twenty pages into the first novel. So I've gone as pretty much as deep as you can. Yeah, that's really cool, man. You're you're playing uh, Witcher Wild Hunt on PS4. Yeah. Nice. So I've, we talked about this when we talked about The Witcher. I thought about buying it. It's real Should good. I buy it? It's good. It's good. Right? It's like um, Skyrim, but more um, concise. You have a very definite mission. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hate Skyrim. Well, it's very open world. It's easy to get distracted. It's too big for me. No, you would like this then because it's it's smaller. Do you like Fable? Uh, I haven't played Fable in so Did, long. Nobody has. Actually, no, I, it's an I Xbox have. original. I played, I played it the other I've day. I played it for hours. So it's like that. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's a little bit free roaming. There's a lot of stuff you can do with like making spells and stuff like that. Yeah. It's fun. You can do that as much or as little as kind of you need to. That's an RPG game? That's yeah. what you call that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it is fun and it's under $20. It is? I got it for no, it $17 at GameStop used on PS4. Really? So uh, yeah. Is PS4 the equivalent of Xbox One? Yeah. Wow. Because wow. it's still selling for like 60 bucks on the xbox store well yeah but that's like to whatever it's buy called. it from them and download it uh check gamestop wow because they had like a game of the year edition that was like 40 okay. and i'm like i need the regular person edition is this the kind of game where because i'm trying for my own personal taste like i like the kind of games where you can like make your own armor mm-hmm. but then i don't like the ones where you can also make your own clothes like i don't want to have to dye my tunic no you don't trade have to do that. for copper 
pennies with the sheep herder. Like, no. I don't, that's too much. Yeah, this is kind of like an every person's RPG. All right, cool. Uh, way less in depth. Yeah, you would dig it. I also finished The Witcher. Nice. That's good. It's pretty good. It's okay. I loved it's it. It's fine. It's good. I loved it. Yeah, I liked it. I loved it. I Really? No. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I We talked about it before, so I figured I would throw this in, but like, I thought it was okay. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Henry Cavill is a certain, he's a very specific thing. I think casting him as Geralt is a great choice. Doesn't need, they make a point in the first few episodes, be like, you don't, you don't feel emotion. And he's like, ha joke's on you. I'm Henry Cavill. I'm not good at emotion anyways. Yeah. So I'm like, great casting choice. Yeah, typecast. Yeah. Um, I am excited for season two. I feel like season one was very sort of all over the place in terms of storylines and timelines. And if they can sort of bottleneck all that to be a cohesive story that is more accessible to the average viewer, mm-hmm. I'm into it. Also, give me more magic stuff. Like, I don't care as much about the the drama. It's fantasy. I want more magic. He's a magic guy. Mm-hmm. Do magic stuff yeah. and sword fighting stuff. You would like the books. Yeah. So much more magic and spells in the book. I do like that sort of thing. It's so cool. They get into like the little vials that he drinks. Yeah, I see. And like, like what yeah, they do. We should do a bonus episode on The Witcher. Dude, I'm yeah. so deep in The Witcher. Make a note for that. That could be a bonus too. Bonus Witcher. On Patreon. Uh, but we do have to cut that off there. We're going to go to Danger Zone. We're going to talk about 1917. We're going to totally go spoilers. We're going to talk about it like we've all just left the theater. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, tune out, go see the movie, come back and listen to the podcast. But in the meantime, we will be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger zone. Johnny, as we looked into uh, our app from earlier, the th- three best words, three three kind words. I don't. That's right. What three words? What three words? Uh, you looked up what the handlebar was. I did. What is the location of the handlebar as described by that application? I don't remember. <laughs> it was frost. You know, I'll let you do it. Frost brother noses. So if you're one of the people that uses this increasingly stranger app check out your frost brother noses that'll take you to the handlebar uh, that's like the three meters or right in the middle yeah sure. of it. that's fine there's other squares there's one that's closer to the entrance yeah just end up there you'll understand yeah hopefully i guess this app's weird yes so if everyone we know downloads it then we can communicate with it. Otherwise, let's just use addresses, please. Yeah, just stick with that for yeah, now. That's good. So we're going to get into 1917. I mentioned earlier, I cut myself off because I didn't want to spoil it, but um, there, for some reason, is no nomination for 1917 in terms of editing. And I think that is a crazy oversight. It is incorrect. If we can appreciate a movie like The Irishman for making people look less wrinkly, surely we can appreciate a movie about now wrinkly people doing their thing when they weren't wrinkly in a film that uses editing to portray their story in a very linear, technologically astounding way. I'm pretty sure they're all dead. That's there's probably a few. There's probably a few people that fought in 1917. No, no, you're probably right. They're dead. Yes. Well, all the more reason to honor them with an Academy award nomination. Totally. All that to say, let's talk about the editing. In this yeah. Movie. Let's talk about how they shot it, why that was so cool. You turned me on to a video uh, on YouTube that was sort of some behind the scenes, and I only feel that it is fair that you take the credit for it and talk about it a little bit. Yeah. I was uh, enjoying a video. I go on lots of YouTube rabbit holes, and I'm fully convinced my phone listens to me uh, because my like top suggested YouTube video was a behind the scenes making of a uh, deep dive into the cinematography of this movie, and uh, it was from Insider. And it was, uh, I forget what it was actually called. 
It was called How 1917 Was Filmed to Look Like One Shot. Perfect. Uh, Because, yeah, if you've seen this film or you've heard us even talk, you will know that it is uh, made to look as if it's just steadily going. It's streaming. There's no cuts. It's just one long event, which is really cool. And the seamlessness and beauty with which they pulled it off was a testament to one Roger Deakins. He is absolutely amazing. And if he doesn't win the Academy Award for Cinematography, he's not on it. That's my point. The movie is not listed under best editing. No, cinematography. Is that even an option? Yes. All right. Excuse me. He's nominated, and I think he should win. So, uh, yeah, it's real, real good, man. This movie was beautiful, and uh, yeah, some of the like they had to. This there's transitions in this movie because uh, one of the keys is not having a ton of wires, so they use these new cameras that essentially are smaller than like camcorders from the '80s. Sure, there's these little handheld things. They used a bunch of drones. Uh, they also used these handheld cameras on steady cams, which was beautiful. If this movie would have been shaky, I would have hated it. Yeah, it's it's like a whole different, like I was saying in the beginning, it's like yeah, a different approach. For sure. The smoothness was so amazing. And you had the cameras a lot of times, which they mentioned in this video, going around these people in like 360 degree angles because they are handheld and independent of wires. Really fascinating stuff. Sure. At some points, they are actually handed off to like booms and cranes. Yeah. They would actually like put the camera on a crane and it would follow yeah. into a wider shot and because they're on steady cams it didn't mess it up and it was just it was amazing the links they went to yeah i can't remember when i noticed it um because i know you mentioned there was a youtube video you texted me like there's a youtube video. have you seen the movie yet and i said no i'm seeing it today or i was sick right. so the next day um so i didn't look it up but then i noticed maybe like there's this incredible shot from the very beginning where uh, a superior officer officer wakes up uh blake and says Grab a man, grab your kit, let's go. And then we follow him through a trench. And I'm like, this is a pretty long shot. And then it keeps going. Right? I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. So then, like, as a kid, I loved magic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to come back around. Nice. But I love magic. And I, I was never the person that was like, how does the trick work? I was always like, magic is very cool. Um, but as you learn more about uh, different crafts, you sort of look for where the trick is hidden. Mm. And there's certain points in this movie where you're like, all right, that was probably an edit. Like there's uh, points where they go into dark hallways or they'll they'll take the camera close around a body and you're like, well, that could be an edit. But it, I don't think it matters. If you can forget about that, it's still really cool. And the first time I really appreciated it for what it was, was when they left their uh, camp, their trench, crossed into no man's land. And there's sort of a lake. It's not a lake. That's It's a giant pond. And instead of following them, I think for the first time in the movie, the camera moves laterally across the lake as, and follows them as they go around. And I was just like, how the f- did they do that? Right. So what you're describing is like there would be a guy holding the camera, which is on a stabilizer so it doesn't shake. And then two other guys would basically come and lift the camera onto a crane arm seamlessly and the crane would keep moving. And then by the end of the shot, when they crossed the lake, they would grab the camera again and follow them up. It's just like the meticulous nature that requires in the planning is just nuts. In Dude. an interview with Sam Mendes, he said the director, he says, like in a lot of movies, you'd have the the, the freedom to pick between a couple different camera angles and maybe not all of them are showing people's mouths so you could do overdubs with, with dialogue. And here it's like, no, we planned every single shot to transition into the next shot. It had to be perfect. So just technically, it's incredible. It's it's 
Did you ever see Birdman? Mm-mm. Or the, what the hell is that movie called? Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, I think is the full name. It's with, um, uh, what the hell is his name? From Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, the first one. Michael? Fuck. Um, come on. Mike Keaton. Keaton. Michael yeah. Keaton. Uh, he's in that. Very good. I heard it was very, like, kind of a similar style where, like, a yeah. one long shot. Right. And in that movie, you still appreciate it, but it's in, like, a dark soundstage most of the time. It's, like, behind the scenes in a playhouse, and then you go onto the stage. And at some point, it becomes, like, yeah, okay, like, clearly they're making edits, but it's still very cool. And here it's, like, we've progressed very far. Yeah. And if you didn't know to look for that, you might be convinced this was one long shot. And if you weren't looking for it, you really could sink into that disbelief. Yeah, for sure. Easily. Totally. I think the more you know about camera stuff, the harder that becomes, like, Mm -hmm. especially going from bright outdoors to dark indoors, you know that exposure has to change and, uh, and your f-stop and ISO and all that stuff like has to be adjusted. If you don't know that, like if you are the 90% of old people in that movie with me, that you might've been like, or just people. Definitely the old people though. Yeah, definitely the old people. Because they're just like, this is cool. Is this a documentary? I don't know. Yeah. They didn't think that. They might have. Some of Who them cares? did. Some of them thought they were there. Yeah. They might have been. Again, they I don't weren't. know. They might have been 120 years old. Yeah. Who knows? No. Um, anyways, that was it was astounding. Mm-hmm. Very technically amazing movie. And for someone that is looking for those, you will see the edits. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah, you can you, nitpick it. You can, but I, I promise you there are a bunch that I missed. Totally. Me too. There's some that um, like, well, you had to do that. Like, sure. So, like that's probably where it happened. Exactly. But for someone that's just going to the movies to be entertained, yeah. dude, this is eye candy. This is literally eye candy. You yeah. will just eat it up. You dude, know, uh, Shalina asked me after the movie, like I was so engaged in that. Like, why was this movie so much better than other movies we watch? I was like, well, my dear, let me roll Rolling up, up the sleeves. sleeves. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, yeah. and she watched that video with me about the, the behind the scenes. It's and, crazy. And we were both just like, dude, we're doing things with movie. They're doing things that are like cutting edge. Yeah, just sure. the technology and the, and the, the, it was amazing. One of the coolest things from that I was video. About to ask you. Oh, the video. I was going to say the movie, but oh, sure. Was, well, one of the coolest things in the movie was that there was one scene. Are you about to say the jump by chance? No. Okay, good. No, where he's running uh, through the battlefield and there's the explosions players. happening behind him. Uh, the battle- oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. The final sort of yeah. trench run mm-hmm. when he goes out of the trench. Out of, like onto the field and there's all these explosions mm-hmm. happening everywhere. Yep. And he's like bouncing off of soldiers, like his soldiers that are running by and finding out that that was completely on accident. Can you believe that? Those were not written in. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, what Johnny's describing is the final climax of the movie is he's finally gotten to this platoon. Is that the right word? I'm sure it's not. I think so. Well, he has to warn the commander, like, hey, don't send your troops forward. Like, this is a trap. And he gets there, but, like, they're about to send them. And the only way he can get to the commander he needs to is to leave the trench, go onto the open air, and run. And he does, but coincidentally, the troops charge anyways, and he's running forward, and there's there's uh, mortar shots exploding, and like this beautiful white and black sand that is great. But uh, a stuntman hits him. Like they're running perpendicular to each other, and the stuntman comes out of the trench and hits him, and he falls over it. It happens like twice. They collide really hard. Yeah, and they kept the camera rolling because it's expensive to do these shots over. Because uh, for all sorts, watch the video. Mm-hmm. But they kept it, and it feels so genuine. The idea that that was not scripted or planned was just like, so lucky that you got that shot. Seriously. It adds so much authenticity to it. Yeah. Um, which does sort of tangentially lead into my question. It was like, what were your favorite shots from this movie? That scene was one. Mm-hmm. Um, the initial scene 
which because I didn't know a lot about the cinematography yeah. going in. So that initial scene where I'm like, kind of same as you, like, huh, that's that, that was a really whoa, it's a really long shot. Yeah, it's still going. Yeah, they're following them through a trench. This seems what? Yeah, you know, and then it just gets you. You're like, oh wow, we're mm. we're going on a journey. This is a different thing. And there's a point in all great movies. You're calling this a great movie? Yes. Okay. Where you realize, well, it's over nine for both of us, for God's sake. No, I I agree. I just want to make sure. 100%. There's a point in all great movies where you realize you're watching something great. Some movies it comes early. Some movies it doesn't come until you've seen it twice. Fair enough. Um, But there is that moment. And for me, in this movie, I felt that moment. And it was early. And it was exciting. Mm. It's that moment that you like... Oh, it got my heart racing a little. And I was like, oh, we're in to watch something special. Yeah. Yep. And special it's the right word. And it set the tone for the rest of my viewing experience because I was completely enamored with this movie. Yeah. I think for me, it comes back to like this idea of the, it, it tends to be World War One, World War Two, or Vietnam. These stories tend to get told over and over again and they get stale. So for me, the, like I said, the word, the word special is right. For me, it was like, yeah, this first shot's really cool. I get it. They're probably making some cool edits. And it was that lake shot where I was like, I'm seeing something special. This is different. Mm-hmm. It's different than what I've seen before. And it did it. It kind of rewired my brain to forget about the annoying people next to me talking about anti-lock breaks during the previews or the girl in the very front row keeping her phone on full brightness. Mm-hmm. And I was able just to almost transcend above all of it and just like watch this visionary experience and really take it in. Yeah. And I think it, it's a real testament to what this movie sets out to do and delivers on. Yeah. It's, it's a movie that we're lucky to like be able to see in the theaters. Honestly, it's one of those movies like you're seeing ground be broken. Sure. You're seeing new standards be set with filmmaking. Yeah. And that shit's exciting. Like, yeah, that's dude. why we do this. Can we talk about the shot really quick where he, uh, he's leaving that tower where he's, and that's not a tower, but it feels like a sniper tower. Um, there's a building and he leaves and it's clearly a German occupied town and there's the flare shots above. Mm-hmm. And there's this weird, I felt Lord of the Rings motif going on. But that's all, that's my own shit. Um, but it's this great scene. A lot of it's in slow-mo where there's these constantly shifting shadows and lights because of these flares that are being shot up. It, it's, it's one of the most incredible things I've seen ever. Yeah, It's a great shot. And it lasts probably like a minute and a half or two mm-hmm. minutes. And it's so good. Yeah. There's a couple moments where you're just like, like what is wow. happening? Like just, just incredible dedication, especially when you factor in, especially if you've seen the behind the scenes stuff, like the amount of work it took to get to that point. It's it's one continuous shot. Yeah. With this just amazing lighting. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, to what you said on the break about buying some of these movies on our top tens um, and splitting like the Blu-ray versus the DVD. I bought Parasite. About a month ago, forgot I did it because I think I was drunk when I did it. I was like in a hotel room. I was like, I'm going to pre-order Parasite. And then last night around 11, my phone lit up and was like, thanks for your order of Parasite. And I was like, frick, I got hacked. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I got hacked with Parasite. Maybe I, and I thought back and I did it. I was like, maybe, well, maybe Johnny did it. Maybe he wanted to see it. Um, but I do own Parasite now. Nice. And I'd be happy to own Jojo Rabbit or Midsommar or uh, The Lighthouse or this movie. Yeah. Let's buy them all. They're great. Let's support this kind of stuff. Absolutely. This is a visionary film. Yeah. And uh, I'm really happy we did it. Uh, I had an, an inkling. And yeah. uh, 
I'm glad it paid off. Anything else? Nah, man. Okay. Once again, this has been a lot of fun per usual. Um, if you want to be part of this conversation on the internet, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can support our show on Patreon. If you're more of a beer person, you can follow us on Untapped. If you're a movie person, follow us on Letterboxd. We each keep all of our Letterboxd stuff up to date as far as I know. Johnny is more on top of the Untapped stuff than I am, but, you know, we're both try our best. Yeah. Uh, you can find all of these uh, beer and movie reviews on freshhopcinema.com. And if you do want to support the show, again, that's patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. You can find extra movie reviews, extra beer reviews, invites to events. Um, the show wouldn't be exactly what it is without Bailey Minardi. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.